the golden rule is still a very egocentric rule. The way I wish to be treated is going to be fundamentally different than somebody of a different race and gender from a whole other country wishes to be treated. And they, I owe them that level of kindness. my dude how's it going my dude good morning and welcome hello hello how are how are things going for you jason you know dylan things are going great uh we we finished painting the deck nice yesterday which means it's officially the end of summer and we can't use it anymore and we (laughs) just in time just in time oh yeah you know things are going good it's you know it's it's been busy how dylan how are things going with you know getting back at it you know it's it's been pretty it's been busy it's been a kind of a harder beginning of the school year than usual you know i feel like um the kids are great but it's obvious that they're kind of not as used to doing school as previous years they just (laughs) don't have as much practice um and it Totally makes sense, right? I mean, they, they these kids spent the majority of last year not in the building. So, of course, they don't have as much practice. So, we're working on that, and it's all right. But I've uh, been getting projects done around the house, too. I cleaned my garage the other day. I can actually walk from the garage door to my workbench now. So, that's a fun new thing that we're <laughs> going to try for a little while. Those those little things are yeah. <laughs> can see the floor it's and yeah. and my workbench my workbench yeah. was overflowing but uh i'm glad to have it back well good i you know it's, i'm glad things are going well on yeah. your end it's actually been a bit since we've met it has um, you yeah. know life life gets in the way it does um which it can be a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. or either or i mean yeah it, it is what it is mm-hmm. uh today today we're talking about book i think that's what we do we talk about books that's how Uh, we roll we're dudes who talk about books man yeah so the book you suggested last was uh this book will make you kinder yeah henry james garrett yeah uh, who is he's he's uh he's a political cartoonist um but yeah he wrote up a book this book will make you kinder yeah um you know, I had some ideas on what I thought it was going to be just like reading the title. I'm like, okay, I, I think I know what I'm getting into. Uh, yeah. Then- step one, do this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I got into it and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, I, I had beliefs going into it and my beliefs were quickly proven wrong. So how do you want to attack talking about this book? You know, uh, let's start by talking about jujitsu. Let's talk about jujitsu. You know, in in uh, I I do some jujitsu. I'm not particularly good. I haven't been doing it for a long time, but I have done a lot of grappling uh, throughout the course of my life. And and a lot of people think uh, jujitsu is is about, or martial arts in general, even is about moves 
right? Specific moves or, or the strength of one opponent or another or specific things that they do. But what's easy, what you realize quickly in jujitsu is that no matter how strong you are, somebody who is a lot smaller than you can get just like a lock on you and, and choke you out and, and end up overcoming you. And the way this is pertinent here, it, it gets back to kind of how I thought, I think similar to you, what was going to be in this book. What I thought is it was going to be like, like in jujitsu, we have maneuvers, right? I thought we were going to have some kindness maneuvers, like always <laughs> do this, never do this, almost like a list of kindness commandments. Um, in jujitsu, what's important to be victorious is understanding position, right? And it's it's less about like how tightly of a grip I can have on this person's arm. And it's more about understanding whether it's even important to grab their arm and thinking better about position overall. And I think what this book does is instead of necessarily giving you sort of a laundry list of nice things you can do, um, it really devotes a lot more of its airtime to positioning yourself in terms of empathy. Yes. And I think that's where this book is, is at the same time valuable, but also I worry that it's its greatest strength, but also its greatest <laughs> weakness. Uh, and we can get a little bit more into that, but it's that positionality that I think is important in this book for people who care to uh, or are willing to listen enough to have their position on empathy be moved a little bit. This is an incredibly powerful uh, and valuable book. Um, so I think that it takes kind of a, a higher, you know, a, a more like a, a top down from high in the sky view of what empathy sort of um, looks like. And it really focuses more on why this book will make you kinder. I agree with that. But it does it through the lens of how can we maximize empathy? Yeah. And that's the direction that it takes. It's it's a lot more focused on shifting your mindset yeah about how you think about empathy i like the analogy of jujitsu someone who's never done jujitsu but i do i, I do get the analogy of mm -hmm. uh of positioning um yeah and some questions that popped up for me in in reading this book was why do i empathize with person a versus person b sure i'm friends with both person a and person b i, I know mm -hmm. both person a and person b but i empathize with person a more than person b mm -hmm. and like so it's like why why do i empathize why do i empathize with people is like that core question that came out of this book for me yeah and that's a great i, I don't think i've ever really thought about that and mm -hmm. You know, he talks, James, Henry James Garrett talks in the book about experience. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really thought about how my experiences, you know, cause me to empathize with people differently. And I'm like, oh, I, I just empathize with people. I'm, I'm a good empathizer. Right. And yeah. <laughs> 
And we want to think that. We want to think that about ourselves, right? Yeah. You're never... Look, I've been through the military. I've been in a lot of places. I've done a lot of stuff. And you don't... You never run into somebody kind of know no matter how much the fool they're acting, who's like, yeah, today I'm looking to be a bad person. Like, it doesn't happen like that. Um, I think people in general want to do good. So to tell, you know, to, to um, th- that's, that gets back to why I think this book's angle is both its biggest strength and its weakness, right? It's, it's challenging people who might think that they're already empathetic right yeah to be like mm, you can do better uh and and i would agree with that sentiment in general that idea that you had i actually flagged that page it's the, <laughs> the rat experiment page okay yeah this is the one that i flagged and it gets at exactly what you um are thinking about and i'll read a quote here from the book right a white rat raised among only white rats will fail to empathize with a black rat. She'll readily save another white rat from a trap, but won't do the same for a black one. I think this is really important. The animals look the same except for the color of their fur. Otherwise they could be very nearly siblings, right? When they divided the rats up into these two separate groups, which by the way, doesn't really happen in nature. We can talk about that a little bit more later, but (laughs) these rats were artificially separated into colors. I'm sure you can see the bigger picture here, (laughs) listenership. Uh, Well, yeah, him being a politically cartoonist, him being a political cartoonist and Uh stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I will say the book does a really great job. I hate to, I'm not trying to derail you, but the book does a really great job of, it has these fun cartoon illustrations in it visual aids pretty much in the form of cartoons basically every page every other page yeah i'm I'm flipping through here and i can't find a pair of pages yeah yeah all of them have some sort of political cartoon yeah Um, outside of what i'm reading political cartoon you know i don't want you to think you know caricatures of presidents that's not the kind (laughs) of political cartoons he's doing here um, the, and they're not all cartoons either, right? So like, yeah. for example, it's a relevant example. This one, it's a picture of two dogs. One is, uh, looks like a yellow lab. The other one looks like maybe a, a Rottweiler. And the yellow lab says, we look very different. And the other dog says, but we are both dogs. Shall we play? And the other dog says, okay, right? Like yeah. it's simple, simple little cartoons that really drive yeah. this point. But uh, Sorry, with the rats, back, back, yeah, back to rats. Let's back talk, to rats. <laughs> let's talk They're to rats. Readily save the white rat will save another white rat from a trap, but won't do the same for a black one. So this is with a white rat that's just raised with white rats. Incidentally, I'm sure that it's the same with black rats that were just raised with black rats. Okay, it doesn't say that explicitly here. Um, but a white rat raised only around black rats will fail to empathize with other white rats. So there's your counterexample, right? Even a white rat, if they're raised only around other black rats, one white rat, a dozen other black rats, the white rat won't save a different white rat from the trap. Um, And then incidentally, this is on the next paragraph, right? 
A white rat raised around black and white rats empathizes with and acts to rescue rats of both colors, right? And so that's kind of this, um, I think this was precipitated by your idea like, okay, well, why do I empathize with some people more readily or at all than, than with others? And I think what that experiment is trying to show us is that it's a function of exposure. And how do we think of people um, as our in-group? And I, I think that this book is trying to tell us that if, if we would care to think of the world in terms of in-groups and out-groups, we should think of humanity and maybe even all living things <laughs> um, as, as part of the in-group, right? And then it, yeah. it goes on to give advice for how to do that. Yeah, and I, that's I, I think that was like the turning point in the book for me. It was like it really started me questioning. Like I expected going into this book, I'm like I had a belief, and we can talk more about beliefs. But I had a belief that I was going to get a series of, you know, you know, help someone out with their groceries, help someone cross the street. Like I was yeah, like, like a list of tasks. That's right? Like, yeah do these and you're going to feel better and be kind of, uh, but it was like, Oh, Oh, let's, let's go some like meaningful deep shift thinking going, Hey, you empathize with people that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. You empathize with people that you have common experiences with or feel that you have common experiences with. Mm-hmm. You don't empathize with people that you don't have common experience experiences. With. And you know, it's like you empathize with people you feel connected to and you don't empathize with people you don't feel connected to. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. now, I'm, now I'm like thinking of past all my like experiences with coworkers and whatnot going, God, why was I nicer to this person? Why was sure. I nicer to person A mm-hmm. than person B? When it came down to brass tacks and, you know, it's hitting the fan. It's like, I'm... I was kind of a dick to person B and there's someone I considered a good coworker, someone I enjoyed working with, but why didn't I empathize with them? And that, that, I think that really sums up like the book in general, but Mm -hmm. we're at 15, we're at 15 minutes. It's summed up. We're done guys. (laughs) We did it. We we summed it up. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it, it sums up that the book of, you know, let's, let's think about our empathy towards others and the the white rat black rat thing um really illustrates that well yeah and yeah it's it's one of those books that i did not expect for me to have this type of shift in thinking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know and that goes to belief um and one of the things in coaching is you talk about limiting beliefs you talk about you talk about you know something i i believe x whatever x is i i believe this and in coaching you're challenging it is is what makes that true what makes that true for you um and you know they talk about in the book just the belief around empathy Mm -hmm. 
and I'm failing to figure out where it was in the book. Uh, I, I feel like there were so many great things that came out of this book for me, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, b- belief and uh, seeing, seeing how you view people. I've been yeah. talking a lot. I've been rambling a little. What, I, I'm just jump, jump I'm just in, jump in, save me, jump in, uh, save you me. know, <laughs> uh, one of the important things that you're getting at uh, here is how, um, how is our empathy limited? And he does, yes. he's got a whole chapter. Um, uh, how does he phrase the, the chapter? He calls it empathy has an off switch which is followed by chapter five, the unequal distribution of empathy limiting mistakes, which is then followed by mistakes that can turn empathy off, right? So I think this book also, to give him some credit, like he's framing a lack of empathy, a limitation of empathy as a mistake, right? He, He never says, you know, he doesn't talk about like evil people turn their empathy off. It's, it's not about that. He talks a little bit about evil in terms of a continuum, but it's, it's actually not, it's not really to discuss that particular section is not to discuss about evil. He, he uses the continuum of we'll say behavior, right. From left, like really blatantly flagrantly, bad evil stuff but then most people are not in that part of the spectrum right they're in this section that's like socially accepted behavior which is obviously farther towards the empathy and kindness level of things and and he uses it as a way to show this is where we are we're at this like be socially acceptable but what he's driving at is what we owe people is actually more than that, right? I'll use the grocery card example. Uh, some people may have heard this before in our listenership, but it, and it's kind of a it's it's a funny it's a funny one. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a funny one. It's a funny one. Um, the idea is that you're at a grocery store and you bring your cart, you know, out to a parking lot. We'll say the parking lot is half filled. You drop off your groceries in your vehicle. And then what do you do with the cart? If you leave the cart in the parking spot next to your vehicle, you're not going to get run down by the police. You're not going to get fined. Probably nobody's going to come out and shake their fist at you, right? It is, for many people, socially acceptable to do that. There is no negative consequence. I'm going to pop it up on the curb. Yeah, leave it in the spot next. Don't get me started. Leave it in the spot next. Some people may think that's socially acceptable. I'm one of the people that doesn't, but that's that's my (laughs) issue that I'm working through. I'm trying to be a more empathetic human being. Um, But then the flip side of that is, you know, bringing your cart, of course, to the little cart receptacle area. Now, some people may do that out of habit. Some people may do that because they're rule followers, and it and it, I'm raising my hand over here. Um, they may do it because they're rule followers and they want to follow the rules. The point being that they, the other category of people that do that is that they do it because they know that it's, it's the right thing to do to get your cart out of the freaking way and to take responsibility for your own stuff, right? That's the actual 
that's the actual behavior that we owe each other is I don't want this cart to be in the way of someone else. I don't want this cart to be one less cart. I don't want the grocery store employee to have to wrangle this cart and a bunch of other random carts from everywhere, right? Um, I'm, I'm the one who's rambling now too, but I was trying to get to uh, the three main ways that empathy, uh, mistakes limit empathy in three main ways. Um, they can leave us failing to recognize that an individual feels the same way that we do. The mistake may give us an inaccurate picture of how people are feeling or how they would feel in the future on the basis of actions we're considering. And then finally, they can hide the connection between our actions and the feelings of others, right? We talk about the golden rule is supposed to mitigate that, but the golden rule is still a very egocentric rule. The way I wish to be treated is going to be fundamentally different than somebody of a different race and gender from a whole other country wishes to be treated. And they, I owe them that level of kindness. That's what that continuum is trying to get at. Yeah. And the, I, the shopping cart analogy is, uh, God, you're, you're killing it with the analogies today. Judo, the <laughs> shopping cart. Yeah, just killing it. Uh, Don't do jujitsu with shopping carts, by the way. That's yeah. ill-advised. <laughs> yeah. Or or do and oh, start me. a whole new a whole new movement. A Let's, whole new movement. Yeah, yeah you do some interesting movements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that shopping cart, everyone can relate to the shopping cart analogy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is, there is one of those things is that you'll see people just leave them, leave them wherever you have this conundrum of, hey, do I walk back? Do I walk back the 50 feet to put it at the, the store because the cart thing is full? Do I walk the 50 feet the other way because the cart thing is too far from my car? There's not enough cart cart things uh -huh. like you know it's all this like there's all these questions that come up with it and what do i yeah. do and i'll say that uh before the world got weird in 2019 mm -hmm. uh one of my things i was doing is i was grabbing a cart as i was walking in mm -hmm. like i would just grab a cart as i was walking in and i'm like hey i'm helping out i'm helping out the cart guy in the long run if we all walked yeah. in and just grabbed a cart on our way in chances are we wouldn't need a cart guy to empty the cart to begin with yeah right and, and now imagine that in the bigger scheme of what that means for our groceries if nobody stole if everybody put their cart back right if nobody sneezed on the produce <laughs> right if, if, if all of those happens, that, that actually would fundamentally reduce the cost of our groceries, by the way, right? But anyway, yeah, you're saying but, your behavior has changed. But yeah, so my, 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 behavior, my behavior changed when it was we got pandemic-y and touching things was weird. And mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, someone I don't know has touched this cart. Right. This, this yeah. was going through my head. Someone I don't mm -hmm. know has mm -hmm. touched this cart. I don't know where they've been, what they've done. I know there's now, now there's also, there's people at the front of like uh, a store freaking out that you've, you've brought in a dirty cart because <laughs> there's this unknown in the world. Oh, sure, you've, brought, yeah. you've, br you've brought in a dirty cart. No, you uh -huh. have to take the clean, the cart we've cleaned for you. Yeah. And you're like, I do. 
do I? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's all these, there's, there's rules that go along with it. And if, you know, I, I stopped bringing in carts and now I don't, I still don't bring in carts because of the weird world we're in. We do live in a very strange world. Yeah. But it's that whole collective. If we all do this little thing, this Mm. tiny little shift we can help each other out we can we can free up parking spots you know because sometimes there's that guy that's like well your cart receptacle's full and i don't want to walk 50 feet so i'm just going to pop it up on the curb and be like you know have more employees to take this out right yeah right uh well and that still that still drives at the core that very idea drives at the core of this book is that somebody who is putting empathy at front of mind, right? Thinking about the experiences of the other shoppers, thinking about first the experiences of the people who work at the grocery store, right? Understanding what others are thinking and feeling and then responding to that. That's, that's kind of the whole idea of this book. And that's why, you know, it wasn't listed in here, put your grocery carts away because it's the empathetic thing to do, (laughs) right? He is taking a much higher view. And uh, he talks here specifically about the the off switch for empathy, right? And that's ignorance. It's one word, it's ignorance, right? And ignorance may mean um, just not thinking through your actions. Ignorance, uh, unfortunately, more frequently means not not taking the time to listen to and understand what others are thinking and feeling and choosing and yeah and 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 make choosing not to yeah right choosing not to to listen and understand what someone's dealing with well and i would argue that you're not wrong there there is a certain element of choice there the other side though of that is that we listen to the stories that get told, right? Human beings, like naturally by default, we've lived far longer with oral traditions than we have with written traditions, right? So we, we are natural born listeners. Um, we listen to the stories that get told. And if we think about the people that are doing the talking, even right now, you and I are, Two white guys doing the talking. Two white rats. Is that Two what white we're... rats <laughs> trying to be better do, for all rats. Do, doing the talking, talking about a book. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. But, but so, and we're, and this is, and so in our loop right now, yeah, we've taken away from this book what, based on our experiences, someone else could read this book and go, oh, this book's shit. Sure. Someone else could read the book and go, oh, yeah, he he started an idea but didn't go deep enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many ways, and this and also it's the fun thing about books is there's so many, so many people take so many different things from books. But yeah, you're you're hundred percent correct, and we we share a social circle. Yeah, that is is disconnected but connected all at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? You socialize with a group of people I don't necessarily socialize with, and mm-hmm. I socialize with a group of people. But yeah, there is a there we have, and I I want to say ignorance can come across as a bad word, but ignorance doesn't necessarily need to be a bad word. Ignorance can be like, hey, uh, you can acknowledge your ignorance and be, you know. I think there. I think I have some ignorance going on right now, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like you're coming at this from a different perspective than me. So I'm going to shut up for a bit. Can you help me understand how you're approaching this? And that's all you got to do. You, and you're absolutely it. right. It's giving other people airtime. We can't listen until we shut up. Right. And so giving other people airtime, hearing other people's stories, letting other people talk. Um, And that's um, that's something that I try to be really mindful of. I know just it's something that I'm also working on as a human being is is letting as an an alpha male. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) if if we're being honest, that's that's the. I'll say the role to which I was raised. That's what um, was uh, inculcated to me at at a young age, as far as what my position in society should be. Inculcated. You're welcome. Yeah, that that might be one I have to look. <laughs> Write that one down. Um, <laughs> but I've also learned over time. It, it's also important to note here that even with all of that, I've found my way to a profession where I am, um, and I'm not boohooing here, uh, I'm in the minority. I, I'm an elementary school teacher as a, as a white 40-year-old male. Um, and it's not that there are zero white 40-year-old males in education, but it is not unusual for me to be the only male in the room. And I try to be really mindful of how I I think being in that environment a lot has helped me in other environments where I am not the minority to shut up and let other people talk. And I've always tried to have it be that I will speak if, if I feel like my position needs to be shared. Um, but I try to let other people have the floor as much as possible. And I know that doesn't always happen. Listen, I don't think it was really hit on I think it was hit on some in the book. Um, uh, just him talking about who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, there's, there's a, there's, I guess, a crippling side of empathy. And that crippling side of empathy is being over empathetic. Sure. And, and being worried about being worried about everybody's feelings all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not and being worried about it so much so that you don't share what you need to share mm-hmm. um and uh, there is a balance so you 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 want to make sure your your opinions heard like hey you know thank you for sharing uh this is my opinion mm-hmm. on it right you've done your part you've done your listening instead of just dominating going no this you know this is what it is yeah so there there is that balance of yeah listen but do share your opinion as well don't 
don't not share your opinion. Make sure that you're getting your opinion out there and know that we are going to disagree with each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I'll, I'll orbit back around to this idea of airtime. I'm not saying that I don't talk. Um, but, <laughs> but if I'm in a, right now. <laughs> uh, exactly as we if, both talk right now, if yeah. I'm meeting with my, with my team and there are five of us there, I should not be talking 80% of the time, 80% of the airtime should belong to the other four people in the room. Right. Oh. Um, so it, you know, I, barring if I'm doing a presentation or something, right? Like if people are getting information from me because that's my assignment or whatever, that's one thing. But I think I don't want people to walk away from this thinking, well, the book dudes are saying that white guys should shut up. I'm not saying that at all. (laughs) I'm saying that everybody needs to be mindful about making sure that everybody has airtime. And I think that that's particularly important and the book does get at this it's particularly important to be mindful of that if you have privilege um yes I'm, it does i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to beat that to death but the idea being that power is not and he talks about this pretty directly in the book power is not equally distributed the people that are listened to it's not equally distributed when i talk about as I'm one of five people in the room, that I should be 20% of the talking that's happening, that's an equal distribution, right, of airtime. And that's not kind of what we generally have, uh, by and large, in a lot of our social situations. Yeah, and as as leaders, as you're, as you're trying to give everybody airtime, sometimes there's the, the quiet person in the room. Yeah. And maybe they don't have anything to say. But you got to give them the airtime and go, yes. Todd, I've noticed that you're quiet. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to add to this? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. And, and you're, you're getting at something really important is that for those of us that do have privilege or power or whatever it looks like in your context, inviting, not not just assuming that they'll say something if they have something to say. That is, that is a, um, a privileged position. I know that if I have something to say, I will say it because frankly, I usually feel comfortable doing that, right? Because that is a, 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 a privilege that I enjoy. Um, I, I, I try to use it only for good, I promise. Um, but... <laughs> The other half of that is for those of us that are, you know, in charge or are in a position of power in deliberately inviting those that don't have it, the, the quieter, the, the, I don't even want to say less privileged, but the people that speak up less, they, they may have important things to offer. It happens in my classroom all the time, as, as I'm sure people can imagine, um, I'm sure there's a big chunk of our listenership that maybe <laughs> even was the quiet kid in class. Um, but well, it's that important. Was, surprisingly, yeah, yeah. that was me. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, that was me. As, as extroverted as I am, I, I was the quiet kid in class because mm-hmm. I, I felt socially awkward yeah. and had, did not, had not found my, my voice yet. And yeah. 
then I found my voice and I talked way too much. Uh, you and, overcompensated. Yeah, I overcompensated. Then I have to learn to shut up some. So, <laughs> but there is that there is an introverted extroverted thing about it too. Sure. There, you know, and then there's the the socially awkward thing about it as well. Mm-hmm. Like some people are comfortable being in a room full of people they don't know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stating their opinion. Yeah. And then there's some people that they don't feel comfortable in a room of people they don't know and stating their opinion. Yeah. Well, and it- having that conversation as in this, I think this goes back to that empathy for me is, uh, you know, I, I empathize with it is when in my, my younger years, and I've probably blocked some of that experience out, but, you know, reflecting back on it, my younger years, I did not feel comfortable sharing my opinion in a room. Mm-hmm. And then in my older years, when I found my voice and I'm able to share my share room, you know, I, I think it took me a bit to empathize with that person who, you know, is an adult in a, a room full of people going, being really quiet and going, Oh, I'm, I'm struggling to empathize with them now because of books like this. And because of experience, it's like, Oh, I do empathize with, you know, Todd and, you know, let's, let's figure out how do I, how do I get Todd to speak up? And sometimes it's not a ask Todd in front of a group of people. I've noticed you've been quiet. You have anything to say, Todd may go, no, I have nothing to say. You may still want to circle back with Todd and be like, Hey, you know, I really do uh, value your opinion. I, I would love to hear some more on what we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, and then ask very pointed questions. You know, uh, this is the plan. What idea, what approach would you take? Sure. You know, what, what, what am I missing? Instead of, do you have anything to say, which is a very yes or no. Sure. Question, yeah. but giving them also an opportunity to say and then if Todd says no, probably leave Todd B. Otherwise, you could end up in HR for harassment of, you know, you hey, this yeah. this guy's this guy's always he's always, always in call, my face. He's a, he's calling me out. Well, but you're getting at something that's really important there that I do want to touch on a little bit is that context is important. Um, the, the introvert or in the class, you know, may not want airtime in front of everybody, right? So, so popping in on them, on that employee or that person or that friend in a one-on-one context to collect some data, to collect some information, to listen, which by the way, is the number one thing we can do to increase empathy is to listen to others that are different than us. The more different, the better. Um, Some people don't want to appear on you know, CNBC to broadcast their perspective to the world, right? They're, they're unprepared or unwilling or, or whatever to, to be put in that position. For us to say that that's how they should share their position with the world is also fundamentally demonstrating a lack of empathy, right? So we need to make sure that if we are to be empathetic individuals, that we are providing contexts under which people feel comfortable um, sharing their truth, right? That we're providing opportunities that is going to allow that information to come out instead of 
assuming that you know like me for example i tell people like that that i'm kind of like a like a lab i grew up around labrador retrievers right so you, you let a lab in the house and and what's he do he sniffs everybody he hits everyone with his tail he runs around the whole house he ever through every open door exploring right without a care made, made his presence known yes <laughs> and that's that's kind of how i am in some contexts right but not everyone is a Labrador retriever, you let a cat loose in the house, what do they do for like the first 12 hours, they hide under the bookshelf and hiss at passersby, right? They need time. Um, and so I think what I'm getting at here is just an acknowledgement that we need to provide, especially for those of us that have power or privilege, we need to provide contexts for other people to be able to share with us. Because if we can't draw the truth out of people by providing that right context, then we're not able to listen. If we're not able to listen, we're not able to kind of maximize the amount of empathy we can bring. And, and really you can get, you can get a lot out of people. You have to create the right environment for them. Mm -hmm. So the dog that comes in the room, the Labrador, they're coming in the room. They're, they're making it their environment. Oh Yeah. They're making their presence known. They're making. He's going to drop the ball in front of you. He's going to tell you exactly what he wants, right? Yeah, I'm going to drop this ball, and then I'm going to look at you. And go, hey, have you thrown it yet? And then <laughs> if you ignore him long enough, yeah, he's going to pick that ball up and he's going to go somewhere else. Yep. Right. And then there's the cat that hides underneath something, and you walk over to it and you're like, hey, I, I'm going to be friendly with you. And it's like, I'm not ready for you to be friendly with me. So there's exactly. an environmental factor, and you know when you in coaching there's you want to create an environment for the client to feel comfortable so it's an environment of trust mm -hmm. um, and it's an environment of of non-judgment um you're, you're treating everybody as whole capable resourceful and creative yeah and so when you're listening to somebody you need to listen with that whole capable resourceful creative lens if i'm listening to you and i'm going uh-huh dylan yeah uh-huh uh -huh. labradors it is the dumb analogy <laughs> again analogy three that you're killing it on by the way <laughs> uh yeah if i if i listen to it with a, a closed mind and not a from a spot of understanding sure then the listening doesn't matter right and, and this goes this goes back to radical candor mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. again all these books being connected you know you radical candor is a great resource to really give and receive feedback and you know have a conversation with someone you disagree with put yeah. yourself in a situation you know and there's there's a, a tool if you will if you have an idea and you everyone you talk to thinks it's a great idea Go to someone that you know typically disagrees with you mm -hmm. and go, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. And if they're saying, yeah, that's a horrible idea, ask why. Okay, what makes you, what makes you think it's a horrible idea? Mm -hmm. I know I truly want to know. I truly want to know why you think this idea is bupkis. That's my big word. You use inculcated. I use bupkis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, you got to challenge your ideas. If you're in the same room with a whole bunch of other white rats, you know, and you don't challenge your environment Mm -hmm. and get out of your, get out of your comfort zone, if you will. Yeah. If you're just in your comfort zone of, Hey, this is the comfort zone of opinions Mm -hmm. and don't go, Oh shit. Maybe they're right. Yeah. Well, and you're getting at something also, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the golden rule, right? It, 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 it is a very egocentric rule. And it's kind of like, it, it, the golden rule is sort of the equivalent of, if I could go back to the Labrador uh, analogy, tr- treating all pets like dogs. Like, <laughs> you, you're, 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 um, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. Right. There are a lot of pets that if you treat them like dogs, you're not going to be real happy with the outcome. You treat a bird like a dog, you let him outside to poop, he's going to fly away, right? Or get eaten by a cat. You let a cat out, you're going to, right? And human beings, right? Obviously, um, they, they require different contexts. Everybody has different lived experiences, everybody has different lived cultures. And the only way to, to use the golden rule all the time is to assume, if I did that, it would be to assume that everybody treats the world like I do, a, a bouncing Labrador retriever that's happy to tell other people what I want and knows how to get stuff and feels powerful. Left-winged, right-winged. Sure. All the wings, they have the same thoughts and opinions you do. Yeah. Right? what really needs to happen is, is first of all, recognizing that other people have different lived experiences. And that second of all, that other people experiencing experience the world differently than I do. And it's my, the book is arguing that not only is it a nice thing to do, but it's actually kind of like a responsibility. I think he argues as human beings to take the time to understand that to understand the different lived experiences and how people want to be treated more like the platinum rule, right? And, <laughs> yes. and then drive, uh, you know, the next level up, not just treat people how I wish to be treated, but treat other people how they wish to be treated. That sounds much better to me. And that, and part of what you're, you're hitting on is this, this cat and dogs thing is if you, you go and say people, now you go and say, team classroom yeah and whatnot and you're like hey so i'm i i'm dyslexic um uh it's something uh that i i held a lot of shame with growing up being Mm -hmm. dyslexic i it's probably one of the reasons i was the quiet kid in the room yeah um and so when you're teaching the masses Mm -hmm. right and you have the kid that's dyslexic Mm-hmm. and it's not learning the same and not thinking the same as everyone else in the room as the mm-hmm. the, the mass in the room the majority um and is struggling differently right and if we're treating everybody the same we're golden ruling it like that that kid is going to get left behind and it's yeah. not just kids it's also it's also the adults the mm-hmm. adults you're leading the adults you're interacting with um and you have to do 
uh, a thing. And this is where this is where one on one times come in. And this is where, you know, uh, this is where coaching can come in. This is where, uh, you know, tutoring can come in. Oh, All yeah. these things can, can come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about you got to treat people as individual individual learners, individual thinkers, individuals mm-hmm. with opinions. Um, and you've got to find a way to empathize and connect with them. But you also have to treat, and this, this comes up a lot, uh, I feel, at least I, I relate to it a lot as um, someone who's led a group of people. You have to treat everybody the same. Yeah. You have to treat the masses the same. So if I'm letting Johnny come in, you know, two hours late because they're going to school mm-hmm. and Todd comes to me and goes, Hey, I want to come in two hours late because I want, I want to go to school. Mm-hmm. And now I don't do that. Yeah. So there, there's very much so Todd's getting a lot of airtime today. Yeah. Like, Todd, is he our, do we need to invite Todd? Does he need to be our third podcaster? Uh, yeah, I think we'd have to get a cardboard cutout. Todd is fictional, but we can get, <laughs> we could get a cardboard cutout of this is Todd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's, you got to treat people the same but you also have to treat them differently. And that, I think that is the fine line where people get into to trouble. Well, I'm treating well, I, everybody the same. But, but, uh, you know, there was a, I think it was a kindergarten teacher. My wife watched, I don't know if it was a TikTok video or what, but she, <laughs> she was the kindergarten teacher's example was, Oh, you, you got a scrape on your elbow. Okay. Here, here's, here's a band aid, right? Oh, you got a cut on your knee. Oh, okay. Here's a band-aid. Oh, you uh, you smashed your finger with a hammer. Oh, here's a band-aid. Oh, you broke your arm. Here's a band-aid, right? It, it, and it gets increasingly ridiculous, right? You got you got hit by a bus. Here's a band-aid, right? And of course, that's ridiculous. We give people <laughs> the level of care that they need. We differentiate. And I think that, you know, what you're saying is that we're differentiating for Todd here. You know, Todd, Todd, that two hours is incredibly valuable to Todd. He's not sleeping. He needs that to continue to learn and grow and develop as a human being. He's going to school, right? It's important for him, you know, and to be able to make room for that, you know, the other coworker who's like, yeah, I need that. That's not fair. His, his empathy machinery needs a little bit of exercise yeah. or maybe he needs to listen or if it's you that needs to do the listening because homeboy, you know, who wants <laughs> two hours and is only just now mentioning it, maybe he's been going to school and burning the candle super hard and been really stressed out because he's also been going to school and deserves that, that extra time, right? Yeah. I, you know, it makes me think about, I remember, I remember leading this group of people and I had um, this lady come up to me. Um, what can we call her? Let's call her Becky. Becky works for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I, I saw. A name I thought it was going to be Toddette for sure. Oh, the, the other lady can be Toddette if we want <laughs> to. Uh, 
but yeah so so becky comes up to me and is complaining that you know i'm giving toddette toddette all this privilege mm-hmm. and toddette is a, you know an a type personality mm-hmm. that is just running at it just getting into it i want to learn everything i can learn i i want this i want to go to the next level mm-hmm. well be mobile toddette yeah yeah becky wants what toddette wants i'm really not giving toddette any opportunity besides going okay get your work done you know in your free time go do this mm-hmm. becky sees me giving all this opportunity when i'm not doing much and sure. i go the same opportunity is there you just got to go and when you have free time run over there mm-hmm. and then there's always an excuse there's always oh i'm like okay i'll come over here i'll come over here and i'll cover you yeah while you can go do this and there there's definitely that personality type of hey i want what this person has but mm-hmm you're not necessarily empathizing with everything that they're doing, everything they're sacrificing. This goes back to sacrificing. You come home and do you read a book? Or do you come home and watch TV? Me? You know, just, you know, anybody. You just, sure. And this is, this is the whole, this is the whole, we're doing this, this, we're having this conversation right now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we are sacrificing something. Oh yeah. And you know, that's part of what that empathy is, is, is realizing what people are sacrificing and realizing the impact that you have on people. I yeah. thought I was doing good for Toddette, but I was upsetting Becky. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it was Benjamin Franklin. I'm probably misquoting, or maybe he was misquoted in the first place, but basically, you know, his he, he was driving at treat people with kindness because you never know what battles they're fighting right and that's coming from a place of or at least attempting to come from a place of you you don't know what you don't know and if people are having a hard time um or if they're not just start with kindness because you never know how hard the, the struggles that yeah. somebody else might be going through um and i I, I think, again, that drives back to we need to listen to understand, right? And I know that particularly for me, it's kind of easy to self-advocate, but it's also important to acknowledge that it's not easy for everyone to self-advocate. We still have a responsibility to make room for them to be heard. Um, and, and it can be hard. You know, we, we, I, when I say we, I'm not even sure who I mean. Um, <laughs> who is this know, we? It, who is this royal we? I, I think a lot of people would love it if people would just sort of wear on their sleeves or like a little speech bubble over their head. You know, this is who I am and this is what I need from you right now in terms of what does uh, high quality empathy and kindness look to that person. But people don't do that. Have you, and, have you ever seen in the offices... Uh, uh, I remember being in an office. It was a big thing. People could put on their office doors, the how they were feeling that day. It was oh, like yeah. this little, it's this little like magnetic chart, and you could be uh, like, in a great mood, come on in. Uh huh. Super busy. No, really, super busy. Pissed <laughs> off. 
<laughs> like, like no really if you knock on this door i will like throat punch you like sure yeah and it was it was it was kind of it was a great idea i feel like in concept uh it had you had to go change it and people had to go read it and uh-huh. you know but you know i mean that's kind of what you're talking about is if people could wear t-shirts like you know hey mm. free hugs come on over or if mood or, rings worked you know yeah if mood rings <laughs> yeah like you know it would would it make it easier would it not make it easier would i if if i knew that todd was having a bad day would would i go up and talk to todd and be like hey man it looks like you're having a bad day you know you know it can be hard to read the body language necessarily on uh uh for every you know i have a classroom with 22 kiddos in it um one of the ways I help control for that is when the kids check in, they actually select an emoji for themselves. Right. And I acknowledge that some kids they're going to, they're always going to choose the smiley face with glasses emoji because they don't want to give up too much. That's fine. It doesn't work for everybody, but I've had a few kids already and we've only been in school for like eight days, but I've already had some kids who the, who have used the like sad face emoji when they do the check-in and I go to check in with them. I'm like, Hey, is everything okay? And is there anything I can do? Or is there anything I've done that, that you're stressed out about? And I checked in with the kid just on Friday. He had used the, the sad face emoji when he checked in and I went and, and I went to him. I like kneeled down next to his desk and I was like, you know, is everything okay? Are you worried about something we're doing in school today? They said, no, actually, you're doing a great job. I'm stressed out about how things are going at home. Right. So if I hadn't have taken just that, just to create that space, right? And when we talk about context, you know, if if I just shouted out to the class, is anyone sad today? Um, I'm I'm probably not gonna get a lot of hands raised what what you that child over there why are you sad today? i'm not going to get much feedback but by making space right providing those additional contexts for people to share their truth or where they are um i think is really valuable and and i don't you know my context is not just as a school teacher but also as a family man um, also as a teammate to other people in my building, other professionals, um, and a friend, right? So making sure, and the better you get to know people, the better you get to know the context that work for them. You know, if yeah. with my youngest, you know, if I, if I try to, you know, correct her behavior in front of the whole rest of the family, honestly, she doesn't really care. Uh, she's, she's fine. Right. Whereas if I do that with my teenage daughter, almost teenage, uh, (laughs) that, that looks different and can be really upsetting for her. Um, so, and again, two two kids, same environment, two kids, same environment. I'm pretty sure I'm their father. Um, (laughs) I know they have the same mother. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being funny. It's a running joke in the house. Uh, I'm the only (laughs) one in the house that, that, does not That's have a, red hair so it's always i was gonna say it doesn't have hair but yeah <laughs> well, it, it, fair enough fair enough <laughs> but no as we get to know each other better right and back to the you know the white mouse being raised among other white mouse mice or black mice or black and white mice 
as we have that exposure and get to know each other better, we have a more and more opportunities to learn what contexts work for other people and builds that trust as you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, but that comes from listening and being perceptive and being observant. It does. I, I like this, this whole emoji thing. I really do. I was going to ask like, how, how do you go about um, sharing these concepts in the classroom? Uh, as far as um, sharing the concepts of being empathetic, yeah, we actually in in my school district now. I I started teaching uh, about empathy and mindfulness before my school district implemented curriculum. But um, my school district does have curriculum that specifically teaches about empathy. I don't um, remember that when I went to, to elementary it, school. I it mean, wasn't I don't a remember. Thing. I don't feel like I remember a lot. No, it was school it was, has uh, changed was, a lot. It was weeks it, ago, and there's there's a couple things without getting into a whole ginormous tangent. But the kids are different. the The students that we receive in elementary school are fundamentally different than they were 20 years ago, and the reason for that is that our society is different yeah. than it was 20 years ago when yeah. or oh gosh did i say 20 years ago i wasn't even in elementary 20 years ago then 30 years ago right the the world is different yeah the, the and world, the world yeah. changes and our systems need to change with it i would argue that our public school system hasn't changed enough hasn't kept up um and i'm part of that system so i feel <laughs> that pain very keenly um but anyway circling back to your question we have curriculum in my school district, not every school district, unfortunately, but we have curriculum that specifically addresses what is empathy? Why is empathy important? How do we use empathy to improve our lives and the lives of others? Do you have a, like a, a resource that people can go to? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm thinking as myself, someone who has a, a two and a half year old um, that whacked mommy in the face the other day. Oh. Um, and it was, it was all accidental, uh -huh. you know, it was whack mommy in the face, but it was, you know, her show was on and she whacked mommy in the face. She didn't want to stop watching her show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to like, no, you, you, what you did is you just hurt mommy. Like I'm having to, to show her some of this emotional intelligence type mm. stuff. So I was just curious, is there a resource that uh, you have that people could go to. I would say stuff. that something that I read recently that um, I realized my, my, uh, so there's a book, it's called Hunt, Gather, Parent. Um, and it doesn't uh, tackle necessarily empathy in a big way. It's more about how have um, cultures over the years, it's important for us to remember that our Western culture here in the United States of America and the way we parent children um, is fundamentally different than the overwhelming, like 98% of human history. Um, <laughs> but Hunt, Gather, Parent, um, the author travels around the world and looks at some parenting practices really from around the world. And she kind of gathers between that and a lot of um, social sciences research that she pulls together really puts together, um, I would argue, in my experience as a teacher and as a parent and having been through the whole rigmarole of a ton of parenting books otherwise, 
it is the single most um, understandable, comprehensible, and actionable um, kind of treatise on, on parenting. And she talks specifically about the kind of situations that you're facing with your toddler and how we might address that. And some of the weaknesses in Western parenting that we think are best practices that were basically invented um, and, and how to kind of get through that in a way that's gonna help a child at their developmental level to be able to master the skills that we want them to master, which are independence and helpfulness, right? How do we get kids to that level where they can be independent and also be helping each other? My daughter, Zoe, it, it, so real life example, not, not bragging. Uh, my older daughter, um, if we don't give her directions, she starts making dinner. She starts making dinner shortly after she gets home from school independently. She does not need me to tell her to do it. She is uh, not even in high school yet. Any child is capable of that level of independence. Yeah. It takes time and investment by the parents. Empathy is a big part of it because we have to understand, again, not everyone is a Labrador retriever, right? We have to understand that children view the world differently than adults do. Once we acknowledge that their perspective is different and then how do we manage that to embrace it and encourage the kindness and um, independence that what is what we really want as parents. Um, and the book does a really good job of that. So not to, not to get into a whole sidebar <laughs> about a whole other book. Oh, we're, we're already in the whole, we're already in a whole sidebar. Like we're not <laughs> hunt, gather parent. Hunt, gather, and, and thank you for sharing. I, you know, there's, there's a whole, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of, of books on empathy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think about teaching these concepts and helping, helping share these concepts. We got the people who, who listen to the, the, listen to our conversations and, and, and do, and go out and do the research. And then it's like, okay, so how do I, how do I share these with people that I'm, I'm leading, I'm teaching, I'm parenting, mm -hmm. Um, and how do you get that that information out there? Yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna circle back uh, to the emoji thing really quick. Uh, sure. One of the things that I I've done I've done in coaching I've done with teams I've uh, done with you know just random individuals that you know I could see are are having a day is um, if you were a weather forecast today what would you be? Mm -hmm. And you can get some really fun answers. You yeah. Know? Uh, uh, sunny with a chance of rain, uh, high chance of thunderstorms. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, you could, you can get stuff. That's someone being creative. That's not even a, a forecast. Yeah. You know? uh, hoping you could get someone that says hoping for a snow day. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm always you know, hoping for a snow day. Ho hoping for a snow day. Well, it, and it really does help. It gives you that opportunity. You can do this in a, a group setting. And then if someone mm -hmm. says hoping for a snow day, you could circle back with them. Hey, mm -hmm. for a snow day, you just being funny or do we need to figure out giving you a day off? Yeah. You no, know? 
Well, and what I appreciate about that strategy is it kind of pops people out of their habit loop, right? The habit yeah. loop being, hey, man, how's it going? Oh, good. Right. And I've, <laughs> even, I've even caught myself there. A colleague will be like, hey, you know, Dylan, how's your day going? Oh, good. Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> math was really hard today, man. <laughs> I got to rethink this lesson. I might even yeah. have to reteach it. So, yeah, yeah it gets people. I, I appreciate that it gets people out of those habit loops. And, and you may get better data about how somebody's doing as a result. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it's, Absolutely. it's taking that time and reframing it and, and listening. It's that listening to response. I know we've talked listening. about it here before yes. that, that, Hey, how's it go? You know, I, I will say that we've been talking for a bit now mm-hmm. and it sounds like we're kind of in a loop ourselves. I would agree. So is there anything else that you would like to share on this book? You know, I think this book is probably worth it if just for his great cartoons. He's got some really good ones in there and they're poignant and they're funny. Um, And, you know, I would say that most of them, not that they're not, child appropriate but a lot of them have vocabulary in them that are not it's not really going to help children understand it but for adults you know there's one that's in here that's really good it's a a a butterfly talking to a slug and the butterfly's (laughs) like i'm a butterfly and the slug's like caterpillar hi caterpillar you're a caterpillar and underneath it says (laughs) transphobia right like back to and it's a really good kind of punchy cheeky way of reminding people that we we need to treat each other better back back to the platinum rule moving away from the golden rule towards the platinum rule look if the only equipment you have if the only emotional toolbox you have available is the golden rule that doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't it doesn't but we talked a little bit about the level of kindness that society expects of us and that's like the socially acceptable and then but how do we push that farther along the continuum to be the level of kindness that we really owe each other yeah and i think that this book is powerful if just for that if you grab this book and you're expecting like a 10 commandments of of things you can do <laughs> daily practices to be kinder wash your armpits uh buy coffee for someone you're you're not going to get that that's not what no. this is about this is a broader view of the mindset that you can have to be kinder to anyone adults yeah. peers um children <laughs> and and a lot of it the crux of it is the listening skill and how do we limit our empathy limiting mistakes and it's through listening and and there's a lot of tips and stuff about how to do that yeah it it is it's very much so a book that helps shift your empathy mindset yes absolutely so i know my answer to this but would you read this book again I, I would. I think that this book is definitely another one that I would revisit. I have a shelf of books that, you know, apply for revisiting. The other thing that's <laughs> nice about re- <laughs> they apply is there for an, revisiting. Is there an application like, yeah, process for that? Um, <laughs> they, they, they fill out an application. I would like to submit 
there's a set of books that I that I that I come back to about once a year and I think that this book deserves a place on that shelf and one of the reasons for that if I'm being honest is it's a really short read um it is a short this, read this is probably I think this is prop besides the um the four agreements the four agreements yeah. is shorter um, but this one comes sure. in at under 200 pages, but a lot of those 200 pages are, um, you know, uh, visual aids, so to speak, comics, cartoons, uh, charts, graphs. I don't, I think this is probably the first book we've read. Oh, nope. It does have a, it does have a, uh, I remember now it, it does have our classic, um, four part we, we got to have a four block in it yeah the four, four block, block it's, on, it's on page 25 it's kindness explanations and kindness limits uh to be fair it's not scaled but it's still four <laughs> parts we got it um anyway clocks in it under 200 pages and a lot of those are visual aids so it is a pretty quick read so yeah um, i would say that this one deserves revisiting i was looking for my notes i had it written down what audible had it at and yeah it's it's like under five hour read i know yeah that. and the last one i think uh, the think like a monk that came in at about 10 right that came in about 10 yeah 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 so for me i don't know if i would put this on my reread shelf Fair uh, enough. I, I i thought it was a great book i i thought it helps me think about empathy um now i i would say that it's something that i may revisit some notes that i've taken on uh-huh um, cause I, I think helping ground you in that mindset of how to think about empathy is important. Um, but even if I just saw the book on my shelf, I could be like, oh yeah, this is how it made me feel. So it makes me think about empathy. Um, so it's, it's not a book that I would go back and reread and it has nothing to do with the, the book. It has everything to do with just not my reread book. Sure. And, no, and I, I think you. I think that is mainly driven by action. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like a book that has some more some more tangible action to it. Um, I sure. think that's one of the things I noticed reading this book is it was it was all really deep in mindset. Where Think Like a Monk had some mindset shifting stuff, and it had a lot of mind shift shifting stuff. And it say that three times fast. Oh my uh, word. <laughs> um, but it also had exercises in yeah. it. And, and I, I think that's if, uh, and it's not what Henry James Garrett, I, I listened to an interview with him and it's not what he wanted out of that book. Um, but for me, if that's what you're looking for in, in this book, that that's not where you're going to get folks. Well, um, and, and, but and, you should still read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. still read. Yes. Well, and like I said, kind of at the beginning, that idea exactly what you're getting at why it's not a great reread for you is both the biggest strength and the biggest weakness of yes. this book right is it's definitely more about mindset and the ideas and the whys and hows of kindness as opposed to the what um, yeah. which I think a lot of people if you're looking for what to do this this isn't quite the right book for you but I would argue that this will help make all of your interactions kinder Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So speaking of action, it has been a long time since we've 
well, not long. It's been a few weeks. Yeah. I feel like long. It's been a few weeks. And so I had already called you and I already said. We discussed. Hey, what, what book should we be reading next? And so I've already started. We, we, typically, we, I know you I got. little cheater. I, I got That's it already. Right. I got it already. I, I started. It's a book that I'm actually super excited to talk about next time we meet. Um, X-Men number 17. Um, of course. I mean, that, that is that is the one where Wolverine and Jean Grey fall in love. I, I sorry, I'm I'm pulling that. Out. I don't. It's been I don't a long know. time since I've read it. I I don't know. Uh, no, but uh, James Clear Atomic Habits. So I don't know if you have your copy yet. If you I don't have my copy it. yet, it's on the way. But I'll have it soon. Okay. I should, I might even, no, I can't because I've already ordered it. Did I tell you that I accidentally ended up with two copies of Radical Candor? That's awesome. No, <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I feel like uh, I'll go and I'll get like two copies or something like that. Or someone will gift me, you know, when, when people know that you're a reader, you yeah. a lot of books. Yeah. You a lot of books as gifts. And there's, there's like, you can hear in my voice, there is some part of it that's like, another book but the, it's usually another book because nine times out of ten if it's a book that's popular i've i already have a copy so right. but having an extra copy means that you get to like write inside of it and you mm -hmm. can hand it to somebody you get yeah. to say hey you know and you can be so cavalier you can be like i've read this you can have it well you can or you can just randomly put it on someone's desk or you could put it in one of those, the book, those book libraries. Oh yeah. The little book libraries. Yep, those yep. little book libraries. I see those all over the place. I, you know, I would put one on my road, but the only person that drives up my road is the UPS guy. So <laughs> <laughs> he'd be the only one. That hey, and maybe they want that. And he but, just uh, put your package in the little library <laughs> thing and drive away. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> yeah. So uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits. I'm I'm excited, and I'm excited about this book because we've all the books we've talked about. There, there's been a lot of it's been a lot of talking, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm I've I'm I'm at a point right now. I'm looking for I'm itching for an action book. You I'm want some action? For, yeah, not like you know James Bourne Terminator. Yeah, not a Tom Clancy novel. <laughs> Yeah, not not a, not that kind of action, but it's... the the movie, you perv. <laughs> <laughs> you said action, okay? Uh, All right, fair yeah, enough. I had that so a, atomic atomic habits. So we're gonna get into yep. that next next time we talk. Um, this is another it's another short read. It is okay. It, it oh it comes in. It comes in at about like five hours, 40 minutes. Okay. Inaudible. Um, so it, it's a good read. And there's a boatload of material out there for it. So nice. we got, we got a lot to talk about. Um, I was actually, I actually had a problem. I had to put myself in a mindset of, of James Garrett's uh, book. This book will make you kinder, which we're here talking about right now, our ending right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to reread my notes on that because i had already started atomic habits and your head was kind of already was, in atomic yeah habits, i was it? very much so i'm like oh, uh, oh god oh yeah i i got a whole boatload of energy about this book 
Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, we're we're not here to talk about that book today. We're we're here to we're here to talk about empathy. So and we well, did. My dude, let's put that energy and empathy to work the next time we get together and talk books. What do you say? Sounds great. Sounds amazing. Uh, it's now time to to leave the call, my dude, and enjoy some football. I football will definitely today. be doing that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, till next time. Till next time, indeed. Have a good one. We'll see you next you, time, my dude. You too. Bye. Bye. Our podcast was originally recorded on Zoom. Special thanks to Skillsoul on Pixabay for providing our intro and outro music. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please hit the like and subscribe button on your podcast provider. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes Review Books. Let us know what you think we should review. Keep reading, keep learning, keep growing, keep pursuing what's important to you, and keep listening to our podcast. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> 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 <laughs>